0: I think the stubborn part of me just wants to sit and grind through and just advocate for the fact that social enterprises should be supported. You've got this huge cause and push and drive and yeah, energy force that's keeping you working hard, but working hard with a lot of love and a lot of passion. I think there are so many different types of entrepreneurs and a lot I don't really find that fits my identity. But then when I am pulling out ridiculous ideas and, you know, getting a little creative with, um, you know, how we can use the business market for for good and how that looks. I just think, okay, this is a bit innovative. (laughs) I don't typically fit into the commercial side of business, so maybe I do belong here. I started innovating when I was really young and I probably had a home and a schooling that celebrated those innovations. I was never pressured to conform to the set of rules ahead because I had enough. These expectations, I think, are going to be hard for the boomers to adjust to, to actually respect that those requests are at their forefront. People want workplace equality. They want flexibility. They want X, Y and Z. Want, want, want. Because we can't just expect that everyone's got a passion about climate change. That's just not true. We need to know why they're there. If they're there to grow and they're there for promotions and they want to succeed as far and as fast as they can, figure that out, know that, respect that, and do that for every single employee.
1: Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, and today on the show, we had the amazing Eloise Hall, co-founder and managing director of social enterprise business, Taboo Period Products. So when Eloise was just 17 years old, she was sitting at a leadership conference with her bestie, Isabel Marshall, and a lightbulb moment hit. Could they start a social enterprise that would make period poverty history? And so, with the support of their families and school, they founded Taboo, a groundbreaking menstrual health social enterprise. Now you'll find taboo pads and tampons in major retailer outlets like On The Run and National Pharmacies and their online Pad It Forward program is also making huge inroads, helping provide tampons and pads to those experiencing period poverty. In this conversation, we also talked about business as a force for good, how to bridge the inequality gap, how we can make lasting change and reduce the stigma of menstruation how employers can attract and retain millennials and the generations that follow, and so, so much more. Business and social impact go in in hand-in-hand for Eloise, and I left the conversation feeling really fired up. Whether you need a dose of inspiration or you want a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to get a social enterprise up and running, this conversation is for you. So before we get into the show, this podcast was brought to you by Synergy IQ. Synergy IQ is a leading management consulting firm in Australia. We're the ones that you call when organizational change or challenge seems so complex that you don't know where to start. But more importantly, we're the ones you call when you want to make a change that will last. If you're struggling with a change or your people are resistant to change, then visit synergyiq.com.au. If you want to stay in touch with Eloise, you can connect with her on LinkedIn where you'll find me there as well at Daniel Franco. And I'd love for you to message me and give me some ideas about who I should interview next. If you like this episode, then you'll love the rest of our episodes with high-profile leaders, thinkers, entrepreneurs, and athletes. Find us on Spotify and Apple and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, we would love for you to like and subscribe. That'll help us out in more ways than one. So now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Eloise Hall. And just a note, before you listen, we talk about some confronting and challenging issues that may be uncomfortable for people to hear. And the reason why they might be uncomfortable is because they are important to hear. We need to hear this message. So listen on and enjoy. So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco and today I have the amazing and wonderful Eloise Hall on the show. Thanks for coming on, Eloise.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Uh, Managing Director of the amazing social enterprise business, Taboo uh, Taboo Period Products, uh, In Daily 40 Under 40 in 2020, Advertiser Woman of the Year recipient, TEDx speaker. You're still studying and doing a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) Amazing uh, career today! Congratulations and kudos.
0: Thanks. Yeah, it's been a fun time. Been
1: a bit <laughs> of a ride. Can you? Uh, I'm going to start off the podcast with a little bit of a strange question, and you've probably never been asked this in a podcast before. But what comes to your mind when you hear sausage dogs and heat back heat pack socks?
0: Sausage dogs and heat pack (laughs) socks. I know where you're going with this. Um, Those were two inventions that I made up as a kid. (laughs) I absolutely love it. Um, The heat pack socks, myself and two other girls at school, we entered the elephant science awards in the innovation category. And, yeah, these socks were hand-knitted and then we stitched our own kind of heat pack, so just wheat bags
2: yeah. essentially,
0: into the socks. Yeah. Then you put the socks in the microwave and then you put the socks on and your feet are warm.
1: Unbelievable. <laughs> I told my wife about this and she said, where can I buy them? So I yeah. think there's a product uh, there <laughs> yeah. for you to to get out there and sell.
0: Yeah. And and the sausage dog invention, um, oh, I think when I was little I just heard that sausage dogs have really sore backs because their backs are so long. Yeah. And um, I invented this little, I mean, I'm sure it exists yeah. and it probably existed before I thought of it, yeah. um, but little, I guess, support system that sits under their rib cage and it's got two little wheels and it just kind of holds their, oh, their back up as they walk along.
1: How <laughs> old were you when you did that?
0: Oh, maybe 10 or 12.
1: And did you have a sausage dog or did you just hear about it and thought? I- it?
0: yeah I just heard about it so
1: did everyone think you were going to become a vet or something at that point or
0: maybe <laughs> I was obsessed with my dog yeah. um who was a, a key sound, big yeah. fluffy uh,
1: guy beautiful. yeah I um yeah I always look at those dogs my cousin's got one of those dogs and I always think to myself wow, something's going on with that <laughs> you well, it's need back. a set of wheels <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> all right so uh so tell us who who is Eloise like what, what's your story I mean you know I just gave a little bit of a brief background on some of the the highlights, but tell us your story about, you know, from school into starting this business and, you know, traveling the world to Mm. find what is now your passion.
0: Yeah. Um, Where do we start? I guess, yeah, my family is um, working class, um, very well supported. I've always had a really... Great education. Mum's a teacher, so she's always been very hot on having a good education. Absolutely. Dad's used car dealer, so that's probably where a bit of my entrepreneurial business spirit comes from. Um, Yeah, I've always been a pretty secure kid. Like I had everything I needed, which is what I think kind of um, allowed me to think more philanthropically and think about other people because I had, um, yeah, my parents and my two older sisters looking after me pretty well. yeah, was a pretty good student. I wasn't perhaps the most academic student, but um, I did love school and I loved just being surrounded by people every day. Mm. Um, being on the arts, yeah. I think in year eleven I did drama, art, uh, and music, which was awkward for my timetable. I remember yeah. the teachers, well, <laughs> that's a bit awkward yeah. when you have to move. There's definitely a creative
1: in. thing there, right? Like, in, given the, the creations that you've made as well, and then the arts is definitely. A, Creation thing and entrepreneurial spirit
0: there. Totally. Yeah. I've always had a bit of a wild spirit coming up with different ideas and was, yeah, super passionate about drama and music. Did every musical theatre, I guess. Were you the main act? Were you the main actor? Uh, The the musical that I'm most proud of and had so much fun with was Adam's Family. I played played Morticia, the mum. That was great fun. Yeah. (laughs) long, Long black hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, serious character, oh, yeah, but so fun, yeah, exactly. um, yeah, so just have been pretty enthusiastic, um in year eleven, year twelve, Izzy, who's the other co-founder of Taboo and I were school captain and vice school captain, oh great, and we were running all these charity fundraisers and just getting into it. We just loved yeah. leading fun events and yeah. you know fundraisers, yeah, um, we went to a leadership conference in be- just before our year 12 started and we met Daniel Flynn who founded Thank You Water. Yeah,
1: I'm obsessed with his book. Yeah. And the way it's written, like the yeah. it's it's the only landscape book written like that. It's written in landscape yeah. form. Yeah, it's amazing. Genius. Yeah. And
0: that is such a great I guess, metaphor to the way that he's done business mm. is just, you know, still publishing a book, still running a business, but doing it in a way that is different. different it makes you yeah. think. Um, and he really inspired us to understand more about social enterprise because he was the first really social entrepreneur that we'd met and mm. the first person that ha- had said, this is a giant problem that we have um, and we have a responsibility to fix it. And in in Thank You's case was wanting to improve Quality of water, so mm. people weren't um, dying from waterborne diseases.
1: What, what leadership, like, what drew you to go to a leadership conference? At, you know, in your year twelve, yeah. Like, I, like I, it, for me, it was I was worried about sporting, going out sort of thing. (laughs) We had those worries too. (laughs) 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 Um,
0: It was through school because because we were leaders. Was it in
1: South Australia or did you – because thank you's interstate. Did he come here, did he?
0: No, it was a conference at uh, Bond University in Queensland. Yeah, wow. And it was school leaders from I think maybe all – Mm, yeah, all single sec, all, all girl schools. Yeah, okay. their leaders were yeah. invited, and yeah. Which school were you? Walford. Okay. On only road. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So I think they shouted our flats, and yeah. or they shouted our tickets, and we shouted. We, we had your, to pay for the flats. Half and,
1: your life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was. It was really inspiring. A lot
1: of- Yeah, Daniel's story is amazing. I recommend the book a lot to, to a lot of people. It's yeah. Just a, if, if if you, especially like with the work that we do. Purpose is, you know, the big part of that and, you know, we, we we help businesses through change. So finding the purpose of that change is really fundamental. No Absolutely. doubt the work that you do, which is all built around change and purpose.
0: Yeah. And, and Daniel Flynn was the first person to explain to us that you can have, you can create a business out of the pursuit of wanting to create change. Mm. And he was, yeah, obviously, thank you, Sell bottled water at that stage it was just bottled water yeah. and then all of the profits that the company generates goes into eradicating
2: yeah. you know
0: waterborne diseases and you know, providing people with safe and clean water and as Izzy and I were rattling the tin can at school <laughs> asking people for their extra cash and coins for whichever charity we were raising money for at the time it just made sense so we just thought well, why can't we just sell something to mm. these people that they want to buy oh. and that they will buy anyway and that we embed the change that we want to drive into that structure into a business structure rather than just asking people for yeah. their extra cash and yeah that just brought us into this giant rabbit hole of okay cool how does social enterprise work but also wow what issues can we solve and wow oh my goodness so many girls don't go to school because they can't access period products oh. and this is yeah it it broke our hearts and then we just kept on researching and understanding what period poverty looks like and oh. we already had a solution to the issue that we had, I guess, been brokenhearted about. So that's the the yeah. why and I guess the how we became passionate about the business that we run now. Yeah.
1: Th- looking back did you like in you're in year twelve and you're thinking about your career, did you ever think you'd find yourself running your own business with such an impact and such a purpose?
0: It's such a good question because I can't pinpoint where my head was in year 12.
1: Mm. Um, I think can anyone? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um,
0: I think, yeah, I was always quite um, focused on going with the flow and moving through the movements and opportunities yeah. as they came. So I never really had this one pinpoint dream. And I knew I wanted to be advocating for human rights in some capacity. Yeah. And I knew there was a better way to do that other than charities mm. so in that sense I didn't know exactly which direction I was going um I was probably thinking about acting school and yeah. you know
1: um, what what drew you to believing that you wanted to have an impact on and advocating for human rights like where did that sort of love and desire come from
0: yeah I I think it does not to sound too cliche but it comes back to my own sense of privilege that I had. Like mm. I was so aware of how secure I was in comparison to the most of the world. Mm. and I, I can't remember exactly the terminology but I think if you've got a roof, you've got a job and you haven't gone hungry this week, you're in the top 1% of the world's wealthiest people. Yeah, wow. So having that understanding just was quite heavy and I knew that I had a responsibility to do something with what I was given. It's, and there's, I think it's a biblical um, verse, actually, to to those who have been given much, much is expected. Mm. And that's the mentality that I've really just been excited by. It's not a burden. It's not like, oh, gosh, I've been given so much. I have to do something. Yeah. It's just an opportunity. Like, well, I'm,
1: a, I'm in a position of strength. Yeah. So I should do it, something.
0: Exactly. Mm. I remember in year 10, maybe, I was really upset about how privileged I was <laughs> it sounds ridiculous yeah. but i just thought this is so unfair like yeah. just because i was born into this family just because you know i i had the set of circumstances that i did um i'm just as human as everyone else but there are so many girls that can't access period products they can't yeah. go to school they're getting married at my age because that's the only sense of security they have mm. and it just aggravated me to the point where i was so ready to quit school and do what? I don't know. Yeah. And that's probably the time frame where I started percolating the opportunity rather than the frustration. Like yeah. I can pull that anger into purpose and do something. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: It's a pretty amazing thought process. You, you are right though. I mean, even just um, like from a, even f- for me as a perspective, being a white male. <laughs> yeah just automatically, you know, the, the privilege is, is automatic. Yeah, you know, and um but but it's only it's only a recent thing actually that um I've thought about when I say recent, sort of the past ten years or so where yeah, yeah. I've actually thought, shit, I am in a position here where I can create and ca- can have an impact. Yeah. So yeah let's let's use it for good. But I wasn't thinking that way in year ten. So I mean <laughs> kudos to you and where you uh where your brain's at. But Let's talk about um, about taboo and the and, and a the name. Where did the name come from? Because yeah. I know a little bit about your story, but can you tell us how you how you came up with the brand and how you then decided to grow it? And I know there was some overseas trips to Kenya and and, and the like. So can you can we go into that a little bit? Totally. Yeah,
0: yeah I think Izzy actually came up with the name. We were um, in Year Twelve when we were kind of pulling apart the opportunity. If this was going to work, what would it look like? What would we sell? Okay, cool, pads and tampons. Really setting those foundational mm. um, structures of business. And obviously we didn't have a name. And we, we had maybe five or six names throughout the year that we were playing with. And Izzy was reading a book for, I think, an English subject. And she just read the word taboo. Obviously, it's a really common word. Yeah. and It's used <laughs> in a lot of normal sentences (laughs) in language and she just thought that that could really work because it's quite tongue-in-cheek
2: yeah
0: obviously the topic of menstruation and period poverty is very taboo it makes people uncomfortable yeah and we know that the shame and the stigma attached to menstruation is one of the reasons period poverty exists Mm. because it's not discussed people feel ashamed because everyone's too uncomfortable to talk about it then the accessibility of products is decreased mm. the opportunity you have to say hey these are too expensive isn't really there because yeah. it's a, a taboo topic yeah so we thought
1: it works really well yeah
0: tongue in cheek let's call it out let's make people question why it's taboo for the very moment they say our brand's name yeah um yeah it, it's quite fun it's I worked love. really well
1: and so and so the the i guess the one story i'd really love for you to share is the story of of when you went to kenya Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, you went to a couple of the schools there, I yeah. guess. Can you share that story with us as well?
0: Totally. Um, both Izzy and I, when we were younger, before we went to Kenya in India, we both have been very passionate travellers. Like yeah. I saved up my pennies working in a fruit and veg shop yeah. since I was 12 so yeah. I can travel. Yeah. Um, and so we've both been really inspired by just experiencing different cultures and, and travelling as much as we can. It would have been two years... Into the creation of taboo, but we really thought we need to know practically and we need to experience or at least witness what period poverty looks like Mm -hmm. in contexts other than Australia. Period poverty is pretty prevalent here. Anyone that is um, struggling with other, you know, domestic violence or homelessness definitely can um, experience period poverty. Um, But we really wanted to know okay, if this is a global issue and if we're working um, to this this cause in a global context, we need to know what we're talking about. We can't just pluck stories out from here and there. Um, We shadowed two organisations, one in Kenya and one in India, and these organisations were designed to provide menstrual support for people who were at risk of period poverty. And it was so phenomenal to witness how it was delivered, what the cultural norms and... I guess rules and regulations were about how menstruation is discussed in these places. Um, and one of the big lessons I learned was that menstruation is such a unique experience and it's so culturally um, it should be culturally protected. Like everyone talks about menstruation in a different way and it's not our place to say which who's right, who's wrong. Mm. This is how you should do it. But it was more of a reminder that well, improving menstrual education needs to be very much at the forefront and improving accessibility of product needs to be forefront, but um, we need to make sure that every culture can do that in their own way and completely preserve that cultural practice and delivery if there's improved access to healthcare Mm. at a point blank. Um, Yeah, there were some incredibly strong girls that we met that were 13, 14 asking us how do I keep myself safe if I'm walking from school to home? I live four kilometres away and it gets dark by the time I get home, but my period pains so bad I have to stop and sit and I don't feel safe. What do I do? And then i are just thinking I have no idea how mm. to support
1: you. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. How do you answer that question? Exactly. When when, when you we live in a country like Australia where yeah. it's assumed that you should be safe when you walk home.
0: Yeah, or Pop some panadol and put your heat pack in the microwave. Correct, Those yeah. things aren't accessible. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a really powerful, powerful trip. And it just really expanded my understanding on how I guess development in general should be approached because mm. there are so many beautiful intricacies that we can respect and still deliver really important work. Um, and this one of the organizations we followed did that. They would rock up to each school every month and um, deliver education and Sam, my boyfriend, was asked to deliver education to all the boys as well. Yeah, wow. <laughs> We'd been dating for a year and a half yeah, or wow. so and he's in Kenya talking to all these schoolboys about periods. Good on him.
1: Yeah. He gave it a whirl. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um but yeah both the boys and the girls are educated which is such an important point. Yeah, that's amazing. Well. Mm.
1: So from a um from a purpose point of view and I guess you you mentioned you started off working within Australia Mm -hmm. and then you went to Kenya and you saw from a third world country Mm. uh, and from a developing country what, I mean, what the, it was almost chalk and cheese, would it be? But yeah, you're saying that, um, you know, the period poverty and and the like still prevalent and not as great in Australia and especially from a homelessness point of view, Mm. Is, is there, is there a an attraction to to look at it more from a worldly point of view than an australia point of view now that you mm. now that you've been over there i mean cuz you, you initially started off with australia in mind yeah but when you see it from a world perspective it changes everything how do where do you focus now like what is that what does it look like
0: yeah oh it's such a good question i think it's just important to remember that each place and that can be you know cities towns or countries they have different um, considerations to keep in mind. So the work that we do now through our Pad It Forward program, we buy pro- our product on behalf of someone else. Oh, great. That's um, perfectly designed for Australia mm-hmm. because we know that our product's appropriate for Australian yeah. consumers, yeah. Um, regardless if they're buying it or they're being given it. If we are working in Kenya, though, we would never want to give our product to a group of people in Kenya. And that's a bit of an economics um i guess reason we don't want to be dumping australian product into a new economy mm. where we could be using the money that we have for that service to supply or to to buy product from a local supplier or a local manufacturer of that product that that product can then be distributed to those people because that is sustainable economics and that that if they're getting more business, then they can employ more people and the whole community can be pulled out of more of an impoverished scenario. Um, So each agenda of work should be approached with a unique set of – there's no one blueprint for supporting people with period poverty. Um, And that's even reflected in our work in Australia because – uh, there are some Indigenous community groups we support that don't want to have um, perhaps explicit images of, of women and how, how mm. boobs are developed and, you know, those things can be protected and it yep. should be delivered by the right people. Yep. That's not our space. Yeah. Super happy to provide product and then yep. with other groups that we work with we can give more um Direct illustrations, or you know, be the ones to deliver that education, and these are really important things that we can mm. respect because that's how we can preserve culture and make people feel safe. And yeah, it, it all comes with a different. There's set a of whole ecosystem
1: rules. there, isn't it? Yeah, big time. What's um like? So I think last time we spoke, you you rattled off a statistic, and I think you alluded to it earlier, uh, but forty percent. of This is a mind-boggling statistic. Forty percent of of girls drop out of school the day or the when they get their period. Is that is that true? Is that correct? Is that a fair, fair assumption? Yeah. Is that not? Is that in Australia? Or is that a worldwide statistic? Or that statistic?
0: I think it was thirty percent of girls. Okay. Um was in developing countries. Developing countries. Yeah. yeah wow. And kind of back to your question about an international perspective. One of the big differences with, for example, Kenya and Australia, they don't. In Kenya, they wouldn't have so much of an expectation that girls will finish school, whereas in Australia, we do. So, definitely, if you're a young person experiencing period poverty, you'll still be expected to finish school. So, you'll muffle your way through whether you use socks or toilet paper or just not go to school that week of your period. You'll still probably stay in school. But in a country where it's not expected or it's quite common for girls to drop out young and get married young and have babies young. as soon as they get their period, that's it can be such an inconvenience that they might go through school for two or three months with a period and just think this is too hard. I'm going to tap out now and I'm going to get married and my husband will be my security and then they have babies young and that breeds so many problems and we know how um, valuable keeping girls in school is mm. to, um, yeah, not have them fall into those consequences in a macroeconomic scale as well. Yeah. We we need girls to be finishing school.
1: Change the world. Yeah. Um. So, what are what are some of the 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 serious things that are happening with period poverty? Like, what, give us give us a, a broad view of what that looks like.
0: Yeah. The the most um, obvious one is is the lack of schooling that so many girls will. Um, yeah, they they just won't go to school because mm. they they can't manage their life to go to school um they don't have access to period products so they might use alternatives like socks and kitchen sponges mattress rippings um in some places cow dung dried cow patties are absorbent so they'll use cow patties and if they are in a community where um, female genital mutilation is practiced as well um there can be a huge huge risk of infection and disease and lots of girls will die of diseases that are completely preventable um, if they had access to period products. And the heartbreaking thing is so much of this is undisclosed and not discussed because it's so taboo and it makes people feel uncomfortable. Mm. And as it should because it is such an uncomfortable – the real-life experience of period poverty is awful. Mm. Um, But if we don't talk about it, then nothing can be done. Mm. So – That's why Taboo was called Taboo and we want to elevate this conversation. raise awareness. Yeah. Um, And I think most people who menstruate would know that feeling of shame and, um, yeah, stigma as a young person when you start bleeding. It's so weird. And Mm. it's like, okay, I'm a a woman now. What are my expectations? And there are so many layered forms of um, understanding yourself in a new capacity and, Then when you have all of these, you know, jokes or comments about periods, you just learn to forget that they exist and kind of hide them away and then that breeds into, um, yeah, feeling unconfident and we did some research about periods in the workplace and it was I think 98% of, of people interviewed who menstruate at work had been caught out at some point. 75% 75% of them would use period products if it was provided to them in the workplace um, and it was in the in the 90s, maybe like 94% had felt shame or um, had felt that they could have been more productive or more competent at work if they felt that they had a place to be honest about mm. the fact that they were menstruating if their workplace had product to supply them, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it if you really want to go into the – in the detailed – yeah, even economics of it, there is there is a huge reason why periods should be better supported.
1: So good segue. I've got a piece here on education, right? And I think um I think it's really important, especially within the workplace and community and, and, and just and in a world context. But but I sit here, as a man with two daughters, a wife, a mother, a sister, not to mention that ninety percent of my te- in the team that I work with is female, mm-hmm. um, so I'm a leader who genuinely believes in your uh, your purpose and mm-hmm. your passion and what you're doing, which is, is the reason why I um, I, um, I got you on, and it's very timely for me because I've got a ten-year-old daughter who is uh, at at the moment um, creating what is her her. Uh, puberty box at, so for, for school <laughs> at school and and she's like really excited uh, about awesome. about getting her period and all the above so um I, I, I think my question is um and and like I know that what you've you've said and you've said time again already is that you want to reduce the stigma mm. of 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 what you know of this topic and this taboo topic mm. right to use your your brand so what what can I do as a male? Um, and because I am genuine, it's a genuine curiosity yeah. question. I because I'm learning this <laughs> as I go along as well, right? And especially now with with two young daughters going through this, what can I do as a mm. father, as a male, as a leader, as just to support? And, yeah, uh, yeah, like what, what, how, how can I help? And if anything, right? Because, because yeah. it is in it's for me, it's always been, um, a personal thing and and so I I generally don't broach topics that are personal so I just stay away (laughs) but in all all aspects. So Mm. it's just I'm interested to understand how that barrier can get broken.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. This is one of my favourite questions i I think the best place to start is reminding yourself that you wouldn't exist without a period, point blank, and that could be a really fun way to – yeah, start the conversation maybe with your daughters mm. if you know mm-hmm. that was, or if anyone listening is thinking, oh, how do I talk to my children about this? Mm. Just being biologically honest and say, you know, this is how it works. Yep. You don't have to go into the birds and the bees. Yep. <laughs> you can avoid I already that those topic. Conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go.
1: I go full scientific nice. when I have those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's The do. only way I can approach <laughs> <Yeah>. it.
0: <laughs> and that's the the perfect place to start. Yeah. Everyone, you know, because. Women have periods, that means that, you know, they have, they can make babies and mm. that's how I was born. Like, you know, yeah. this my mum had this experience and that's yeah. how I grew. And yeah. I think, yeah, rephrasing our celebration and I guess our awe of menstruation is important to mm. say, this is a beautiful experience. It's so human. It's mm. so natural. And to really rephrase that and s- stay away from any instant negative connotations. Obviously, menstruation is not. The most enjoyable experience mm. at least for the majority of us and that's totally fine but we don't have to preface everything with oh good luck mm. you know this is about to happen yeah you better be nervous
1: yeah so you're setting it up with an element of uh, apprehension aren't you yeah
0: and that's typically what's yeah. done so you sit down in sex ed and they teach you all these things and they teach you as though you should be afraid and as yeah. though you should be nervous. Yeah. Um, but it's not necessary because we we um, need to know our bodies and we need to be proud of our bodies to yeah. have the confidence we need to be the best person we can be.
1: Brilliant. So I think – look, I, I really want to deep dive into this because it's something I'm, I'm – I want to like obviously be the best father that I can be mm. and then obviously best leader and supporter that I can be. Um, so – Never mind these questions are all going to come from a point of curiosity, right? <laughs> yeah, cool. Why is it, and why is it typically that, and and, and I'm speaking specifically of men here, mm-hmm. that men's faces scrunch up <laughs> when they talk about period, and 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 further to that, like because I've never been taught anything about it, right? Oh like, well, no, yeah, yeah. So, but but typically the face would scrunch up, and but second, to, further to that. Um, what impact does that Mm. face scrunching up have on the person who is getting their period? Like I'm interested to learn that.
0: I think the answer to the first question as a lot of things do comes back to education Mm. because you don't know what it is. Of course people naturally like we're curious and we Mm. just, you know, it's not the most um, romantic experience. Mm. You just think, oh, my God, what, you bleed for five days? Of course. You know, there's that joke of anyone who bleeds for five days should be dead. Yeah, like, no. the yeah. Awful joke. Yeah. But you when that's the closest thing that you have in mind mm. is something, you know, losing blood and that's often related to death. You think it's extreme and yeah. you think it's uncomfortable um, because you ha- no one's ever taught you. And mm. that's when I think school can play a better role. Um, and obviously, you know, teaching those life lessons at home is important to have the conversation. Yeah. And, Educate your boys as well as your girls. Yeah, and I think that's critical.
1: The, the mm, education for boys is huge because, like I said, I grew up and was never taught about it.
0: Yeah, and the beautiful experience we've had, especially early on interview, when we were, you know, we were leaving school and a lot of our guy friends are going off to uni. Oh, cool! What are you studying next year? Mm. And both Izzy and I, are like, oh no, we're going to start a brand of pads and tampons, and they get awkward and uncomfortable and mm. kind of change the topic. <laughs> but then as we started producing more educational material and talking about what period poverty is. You just slowly watch these boys, these young boys who, you know, were wanting to fit in and, you mm. know, start their adult life with a lot of maturity. They start thinking and learning about period poverty and all of a sudden they're the biggest advocates we have yeah. and they're the ones elevating the work we're doing and telling everyone what why it's important. And that was a really cool thing to watch mm. and that all came from education. Yeah.
1: What well, is it because there's this element of of wanting to create a space where people aren't going through that pain, right, and you know they're not crunched over on the side of the road exactly in pain like no human should have to go through that everyone should have support
0: exactly, yep. yeah, and that's the common thread, the golden thread is that we all want people to not suffer, mm. I think when you bo- when it boils down um the impact that i guess the uncomfort that you see on other people's face I think it's just general human psychology when you see someone else uncomfortable you think oh should I be uncomfortable maybe Mm. I should be uncomfortable maybe I should keep this to myself Mm. and that's definitely what helps I guess breed that stigma and that shame is that transfer of emotion you just think "Mm, okay let's revise this this um yeah gusto or confidence I have about this topic because it's making people uncomfortable it's not in our human nature to pursue those conversations again
1: yeah mm. it's interesting so i asked my wife uh, before coming on and just like asking her questions what would you ask i ask if she asked Carmen garcia about some questions as well from yeah. a social enterprise we'll get into that but mm-hmm. I, asked, I every time i have a podcast guest i always speak to people close to me and ask them you know what are some things and 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 my one of the biggest fears that females have is the having like the spot or the, mm-hmm. the, the blood on their clothes or yep. whatever um it, it, is this fear is this fear a result of society's view and that scrunching up of the fae like yeah help, help me understand that
0: I think perhaps and I don't I want to speak generally and I'm not sure that this is everyone's understanding but it often comes down to safety I mm. think because if you are bleeding if you if you've bled onto your clothes and you're walking down the street, you know that people are watching and that's never comfortable. Mm. And unfortunately there are just so many stories of um, sexual assault as well when people are bleeding. And I don't know if we want to get into this, but um, because you typically can't get pregnant while you're bleeding. um, Mm. It's very common in developing nations as well. Um, if, If rape is quite prevalent in a community and a young girl is, if if the perpetrators can see that someone's bleeding, they'll know that they're a vic- they're an opportune victim because they won't get pregnant. Mm. Um, that's really deep and perhaps yeah. not that.
1: No, but very relevant.
0: Per- yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how prevalent that is in Australia in a fear, but yeah. it's certainly a, a sense of um, yeah. I think you can just feel a little unsafe because it's you got this big red stain. Yeah, like waving a flag. Um. And I think, yeah, just, if anything, feeling a little unsafe for the, those comments and that embarrassment and, yeah, the shame, I guess, can be painful too.
1: So so as a leader of a business or, or, or an organisation, is there anything that a leader can do in this space as well?
0: Yeah, I think the best thing to do, especially now that we are starting to see more equality in gender in the workplace, mm-hmm. is to provide period products for your staff. Um if you're providing toilet paper for everyone, it's not too, too different yeah. because it's a necessity. It's an essential product that people use every day and it's proven to improve productivity. Your staff know that they're full supported. It's an open conversation. If your staff have, if someone has endometriosis, for example, and you've provided period products for them, it's a great first step for them to know that, you okay, cool. My boss will be open to me telling him that I've got surgery coming up, or you know, this is why I need to work from home because I can't move, etc. Mm. Rather than um, not, if you don't provide period products, um, it's important to have the conversation and the door open yeah. to know that it's a welcome chat.
2: Yeah,
0: um, because a lot of females, as well, I think, will still feel uncomfortable. So, you almost need an invitation to, from your boss yeah. to have. That. it's so
1: strange because everyone and I, when I say strange sorry that's the wrong word it's mm-hmm. it's it's um there's so there's such a vast difference in the way uh every person who gets their period like the way what, the, what their pains might be yeah. or their their uh, emotional state might be everyone's sort of yes yeah. there's no common thread so um it I'm it, I, I and I'm speaking purely from someone who's never done it, gone yeah, through yeah, yeah. it right like it, it it's I I don't, I don't know. And nor is it front of mind for me. Mm. Like, um, so that's the, I think the most difficult thing is if you need support, I'm happy to help, but but I don't, I don't know much else. So yeah. So you just, is it about talking about it? Is it about like, what do you do in in your office?
0: Yeah. I think it's just, uh, yes, talking about it, but also just talking about it enough that everyone feels that they can bring it up themselves. They can bring up their own experience and their own needs and, Um, yeah, strengths as well. We've chatted a lot about how the nine to five working schedule is designed on a male hormone cycle. Mm. So men have a 24 hour hormone cycle. Mm -hmm. They'll peak in the morning and then it'll fade during the day. So we do our work in a nine to five period so that we can chill out at nighttime. And women have a 28 day hormone cycle typically. So our levels of productivity and rest fluctuate through 28 days instead of 24 hours and it's a really cool discussion to have in the workplace because you can instead of organizing your day and okay we need to have meetings here and have deadlines here if you consider the strength that the female hormone cycle has you might want to even plan, okay, you're going to be most creative at your phase of ovulation, which is on the 16th to the 18th of July. Let's have our creative brainstorm sessions over that time frame, And then you can do the production of that outcome and that design and that idea in this week when you'll, you'll be most focused in your cycle. And then, okay, great, you can do your day-to-day work in, in this phase when you don't have um, you're not peaking in estrogen or progesterone so you can you can focus on your more mundane tasks and be creative here. Yeah. So powerful, yeah. so, so powerful and that's how you kind of get the most out of your staff but you can't have that conversation unless people feel welcome to understand their cycle yeah. and actually apply it to their work. Oh, I,
1: um, yeah, definitely. It's definitely empowering. I think how do, how do you deal with the fact if there's, you know, hundreds of people or whatever? Yeah. yeah you, is it up to the individual to, to work to their own and just as a leader being open to the the, the individual working to their own uh, monthly uh, ups and downs?
0: Yeah, and I, I, I think so. I yeah. think it's an extension of respect and trust that mm. you know your strengths and I'm open for you to design your week to be the most productive and be the best worker possible mm. in that capacity and I trust that you'll figure it out Yeah, and not, you know, um, still work as a team obviously.
2: I
1: love it. Things can't change, but yeah. What does success look like for Taboo in the next three to five years?
0: It's a good question. I definitely see us in a national stage. Yeah. So at the moment we've got on the run Foodland and National Pharmacies yeah. in South Australia stocking us. Yeah.
1: And then the online stuff as well, yeah?
0: Online as yeah. well, yeah. And we've got a heap of customers around the country online. A pretty good spread. Yeah. So we know that the rest of the country is interested yeah. and we're really keen to pursue some... Interstate stockers. Yeah, great. We want to expand our line, so we've only got regular and um, regular pads, regular tampons. We want liners and minis and supers yeah. and night pads and all the rest. All the above. Um,
1: what, and, what's yeah. the what's the reason why they would pick, people would pick a, a, a your product over? any of the rest like what's your unique value prop yeah outside of the obviously the social piece yeah
0: so of course we've got the social enterprise element mm-hmm. the products are certified organic cotton so okay, yeah. they're really good for the, your body and the environment mm-hmm. our tampons are now completely plastic free so they're packaged in recycled cardboard wrapped in paper and then the actual tampons are yeah, wow. purely cotton very good so we're pretty proud of that and it's the most environmentally conscious product you can buy, because cups and underwear have synthetic um, mm-hmm. plastics through them. And in that context, there's a lot of innovation opportunity in that market, because mm. really those products haven't changed for well, since the 1930s. Mm. So we're excited to see what can happen in that space, and we've got a few ideas. Um, the other, I guess, unique proposition is our online subscription. So yeah. you can purchase, you can choose which products you need every month and then it gets sent to your door automatically. Yeah, great. So you don't have to think about adding yeah. your products to your, to your shopping list.
1: Brilliant. Um, now, I know that you have a no carbon fo- footprint too. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So the factory that produces the product runs on hydroelectricity. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm proud I'll,
1: of that. <laughs> I've got a question about that later, about from an innovation perspective. But I, I, I'm interested because you've got like these great ideas and um, – you have such a, an amazing purpose, right? Of, of reducing stigma and, and reducing poverty. The um, the business structure of the social enterprise mm-hmm. is one that I am interested in sort of exploring with you, because um, ha- have you have you found that? Um, well, does it make it harder to to build this business without? cuz like investors right yeah. You need investors and investors <laughs> typically want profit but Yeah. if all your profits are going to the the enterprise does that make it a tougher tougher deal
0: It really does Yeah um we when we started taboo we were really confused about how we should structure the business so we thought okay we well, we want like a whole design is to support people out of period poverty So you look at it in that perspective and you think okay cool you can be a charity mm. Okay, but to do that, we want to sell a product. That's where the money wants to come. But well, that's where the money needs to come from. So, okay, we're a commercial company, and then just kind of extracting the difference between the two was really difficult. And at the end of the day, we decided we can't do anything unless we're selling product, mm. and a lot of it. So yeah. we need a structure that allows us to commercially grow and yep. um, have the freedom we need. So we registered as a proprietary limited company, and. There are totally no regrets in that. We need to be the most successful company we can be and we need to be a company legally.
1: Yeah. To do that. There's no need to regret that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but you're exactly right in seeking out investors. And we're really coming to that sticky point now when we're in that point of growth and scaling. Um, yeah, we're just thinking, well, it would be great if we just got given a million dollars. Sure, we can give that back. But People want more, more, they want profit, not, they want to mm. invest in something that's going to give them a great return, which we just can't offer because mm. all of our profits are dedicated to our mission. And that's where the frustration sits because you compare our model to charities who are also not-for-profits. Yeah. They have DGR status, they can get donations that are tax deductible. So you've got a lot of people interested in giving to charities because they do get a bit of a break, they get a tax break. And that's enough for them to give to a cause that they believe in. And we have so many people that want to give to Taboo, Mm. but they want their tax break. Mm. And social enterprises at the moment sit in that grey area between charities and between businesses where, okay, you look really bad on grants for business growth because no one's becoming wealthy and you look really bad in charity grants because... You don't have DGR status. You're not a charity. Mm. We fall into that grey area, and access to growth funding is so difficult. And part of I think the stubborn part of me just wants to sit and grind through and just advocate for the fact that social enterprises should be supported. We can have a relook at how we can um, distribute that the money that is available for growth and business growth, but also charity work, and just think how can everyone be supported to support social enterprises because it's not impossible. It's just not legally sound and supported at the moment. So there's a lot of work to be done and I am keen to do more study and to collaborate with more social entrepreneurs to know how, yeah, social enterprises can grow quicker Um, because at the moment we're just growing at the rate of sales, which is slow. It's sustainable but it's slow.
1: Just like without – Without moving away, like I think, and what's going through my head right now is, can you can you put it off for a year? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Can, do you know what I mean? Like, is there is there a way? And, 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 and I'm not. I know that's not an option. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm I'm just brainstorming here. Yeah. The idea of going right, even from an investor, if you put in some money, I'm going to pay you back this return. Mm. But any other returns are going fully into the so the investors money still paid a return but the 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 profits are still going into the cause yeah yeah Like, is there ways that you can split to attract investment yeah i think because because you you, because what you're really looking for is philanthropists to come in and just provide yeah money and they're going to be few and far between especially in, in you know in Australia and, and all the above, and yeah. how much money do they give? And all the so, so I, I'm because I like you're right. If this was a full blown profit driven, mm. um, shareholder driven, we'd
0: you, be giant,
1: you'd be, yeah. You, <laughs> and to, does that play in the back of your mind? And the fact that, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm I want to have this impact and I can, yeah, it's just my model's not allowing me to. Is that how does that sit with you?
0: It, it does sit with me mm. and it does keep me awake because you do think, oh, if I yeah, if, if we sliced off 20% and we ran it at an 80% model, mm. you know, that 20% could bring us so so far. And like, yeah, we're, we're, we're committed to our 100% model, but these things do come across my mind. And I do think yeah. about, how, you know, how can we make the most difference possible? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to as well the whole concept of social enterprise. And this will sound radical, but yeah. it's important to flesh out. It, social enterprise is so powerful because it is in one way the redistribution of wealth. Yeah. So where we, we started on sweat equity mm. and just time, donated time yeah. while I was working in hospitality, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that sweat equity was enough to make us sustainable. So we had a big crowdfunding campaign. We raised $56,000 and we've been sustainable from that point on. Yeah. That's the money we needed to start and we can grow slowly. But slowly, that's the point. If we were to take on investors and say they gave us a million dollars and maybe we gave them two to thank them after, later down the track, we are making the wealthy wealthier. That's the whole concept of wealth attracts wealth. Wealth is a magnet. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with wealth. I'm not some anti-capitalist, you know, um, soldier. But it is that whole discussion of the reason we are supporting these people in need is because they're on the forgotten end of the spectrum. These are the people who are living in poverty and the reason they're in poverty is because our system is designed to be so unfairly distributed in terms of wealth and we have these insanely wealthy group of people and then we have people in such poverty. And we know as well throughout COVID that the wealth the disparity of wealth has increased so much. Like the rich are even richer than they ever have been, and the poor are even poorer. And that's because of our design of how wealth is to is attracted. Mm. Wealthy people attract more wealth. And pers- allowing that investor model to fit into Taboo, you can definitely think, oh well, we're going to grow so much then so we're going to make so much more impact. But the whole system, it's a whole system rethink, mm. which is I still sit in that radical f- mentality of, well, isn't it kind of submitting to the evil that we're, su- you know, we're supporting these people who are the victims of this disparity of wealth, but th- then just feeding that wealth further? Mm. Is it? Is it a clear?
1: Yeah. Is it, it, yeah. Mm. It's a, it's a question that we could talk about for hours. I, I know,
0: mean. and it's it it is radical, and well, I do because, want
1: to do more research. Well, the yeah, because the. I've had, we've had some amazing guests on this show. Mm. A lot of them sit in the upper echelon, yeah, right? yeah, and um, and and there's a lot of good in the totally in, in those in those people, and uh, it's it's about if they could give back um, and know that their money is having an impact, mm. right? It. It's a that's what they, that's what they do. Is like, totally. I don't have the time, therefore my money, my money, my money could have this really amazing impact. And I believe in Eloise and, and mm. Izzy and the team, mm. um, and their and their and their mission. So I'm going to put towards that. Yeah. Um. But in the same token, to to, to give millions, I would not. I'd like to see a return on that. Yeah. Of some sort. Yeah. Right. And totally. Um. Because to to just give is is um like you have to be at a certain level of success to be able to give that much. Exactly. Right? Yeah, Yes, so I think there's there's a whole different there's a whole realm in there. But yeah, it's yeah, definitely an amazing topic to continue on. And yeah. I, I'm interested. I'm going to watch your story and how you grow it.
0: Yeah, and and it and it's so true. There are mm. so many really really wealthy people who are just some of the best and most generous and kind people I've ever met. And that's. That's why I think our system needs to be rethought because um there's no reason why we can't live in a world that that, that I guess values and places priority on equality. Mm. Um and we can all live well off. There's there's certainly a lot of money to go around. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a that's a whole different topic we can, <laughs> we can go down. Um so with the um I think Help us understand why that you would be interested in starting a a a social enterprise if you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Like, tell us about the young and up and coming people who who the millennials, and we'll talk about them in a minute, but who are really interested in growing business and having impact. And you Mm -hmm. know, we know that the younger generation is it's it's all about purpose these days, and more more so than the commercial. Um. But if the social model inhibits impact like mm. can you tell us what drew you into that model first and foremost like I know the Daniel Flynn how did yeah further how did he and and the flank you brand grow and you know there's got to be someone that's done it
0: oh exactly yeah. and and thank you have been yeah treading those waters mm. perhaps 10 years ahead of yeah. us um, and it, it can work I think it it just makes sense and we, we get a lot of people asking us for advice or insight into our success in marketing or our, our success in the community that we've developed. Mm. And I don't have a lot more than just I think people are really passionate about the cause. People mm. care about um, – people pay attention to businesses that are paying attention yeah. to the things that people care about. And because we've got such a heavily social – mission embedded into our day-to-day, it's quite obvious that it it just builds that trust before you even ask people to trust you. They already trust you because you're not in it for selfish reasons and you're not, um, yeah, offering people work or opportunity to be involved in a community for anything other than the mission that they were attracted to in the first place.
1: Yeah. What do you see as the key benefits for starting a social enterprise like I know like out, I know that's like a really strange question <laughs> because there is so many benefits mm. but as a managing director of a of a company that mm. is growing and you'll be at, at whichever rate but what are what do you what, what makes you sleep well at night yeah
0: oh it's the most beautiful space to work in yeah and I love how valued our team feel we've got the most beautiful team because we're all there for the same reason and yes our day-to-day looks like marketing and sales and oh. your very standard commercial workings and we're you know we, we we're good at what we do we love what we do but then if there are any points of oh this is a bit of a drag or this this deal is taking a long time to pull through or so, so to come together yeah. um you've just got that extra motive and that that huge supportive foundation and layer of this is why we're doing this and you've got that stamina to keep moving because Mm. it's not just, oh, this is my work and this is my day. You've got this huge cause and push and drive and, yeah, energy force that's keeping you working hard Mm. but working hard with a lot of love and a lot of passion. Mm. It's also been a fantastic marketing capacity because people – Like I said, respond to social issues. So you start talking about an issue that people have thought about or they care about. All of a sudden, your brand is top of mind. Mm. And when they think of purchasing whatever line of product or service that it is you're selling, you're top of mind because you're doing something for people that you know need your support. You're
1: having an impact on the world. Yeah, Mm. is there is there an opportunity for this social impact? set up to be abused though? Like if you, mm. and, and I say that and, and, I, and I'm not suggesting, no, that yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a suggestive, uh, uh, question, but you know, if you're, if you're 100%, right. Yeah. Um, you know, is there a limit to what percentage that profits go into it that like, what is the limit? Like yeah, can, yeah, can yeah. I say oh, 10% of profits and I'm, I'm a social impact business or, yeah. and, and then can I just exorbitantly pay myself a lot more yeah. so that those profits are less. And like, you t- do you know what I'm saying?
0: Totally. And there's definitely elements of like greenwashing and value signaling.
1: Correct. Those yeah. things. And, and using the, the impact. Yeah. Oh, so.
0: we're such a good brand. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: But I'm but I'm earning more, more than my fair share. Exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a great thing to think about and be conscious of because there are so many brands that yeah. will communicate how good they are and there's not a lot going on behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. Um. And one of the other reasons why I really want governments to take social enterprise more seriously is so that there's better structures for social enterprises mm. to be um, accredited. There are a couple of really great accreditations floating around. So there's Social Traders and then there's B Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, we just registered, we just certified as a Social Traders last week, which is great, right. something that we put on the backbone for so long yeah. we finally got around to yeah. it. Um, and their design is that you have to be giving um, the majority of the company's profits or outworkings to your cause. So you can have investors and you can have shareholders but more than 50% has to be dedicated to your mission. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah. So is there um, – who's holding you accountable to that then? Is that what that, that group does then? Is that holds you accountable to that?
0: Yeah. So to be registered social traders – certified company you have to have an element of your business constitution that highlights that commitment okay yeah
1: so for those who know nothing or not who know minimal about this world yeah should we be looking to purchase product from social enterprise companies who are registered under those things Is absolutely that, yeah okay.
0: yeah and um it's called social procurement and yeah. Victoria, I think, has a quite a hefty social procurement strategy in their state government, but there's no reason why businesses can't have social procurement policies as well. So you could have an overarching statement of, okay, 50% of our procurement has to come from social traders registered companies or B Corp companies. Yeah. And that means that your business's spending is done in a socially conscious way. And that's the beauty of, of circular economics in that we need to buy stuff, businesses need to buy yeah. stuff and they can buy their consumable goods their services from services that are doing it for good their, yeah. their profit for purpose and it's so easy you can register as a social trader a, a buyer you can governments yeah, councils exactly. can be a buyer and they can look through the social traders um company list and just pick great i want them for my um for my staff i want this company for my water supply i want this company for my plants. Yeah.
1: Everything yeah. Can, can
0: be social. That's brilliant.
1: Mm. Um what <laughs> going back into the the wages thing, what what is and I'm not asking what you're on, but what's a no. reasonable yeah. wage to pay yourself, right? Because you are, and everything I've ever understood from you is it so driven to your purpose that yeah. Um, the more you pay yourself, the less you can give, right? So how do you find that happy medium for for those who are interested in, in this world? How, does yeah. that, how do you juggle that yeah. in, your, in your own thoughts?
0: It's such a good question and um, the beauty of charities as well is that's all published. That's, yeah. um, that's why as well social enterprises should be considered so mm. we can talk about these things more honestly. Um, we're still early so I'm not on a lot. Mm. I'd, I, I scrape through but I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, eventually as we grow we will really run with advice um like published advice so we can pick the business we're in retail great okay what's your standard retail wage and there's nothing stopping us from uh yeah functioning and you know we we want to attract good staff as well yeah, so as we grow we, yeah. we want to have the capacity to to have the best staff and yeah. and celebrate their
1: work and you need to surround yourself with great people
0: yeah and, and grow confidently yeah. with courage um but we've we've had advice from some great people at PwC who gave us a big report and said, "Okay, these are the standard wages when you're making, um, you know, less than a quarter of a mil a year. This is what your wages should look like. Yeah. As you grow, these are what they should
1: grow to. Okay, so yeah, you, you're using data and analytics to come up with that, which is good.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 reinforces that um, direction. Of, yeah. yeah, okay, this is expected, and it's
1: not just at the beck and call of the director. (laughs) No, No, that's good. Um, how do you, how do you wear the, um, the entrepreneur title? Mm. Do you you enjoy it? Do you you like it? Do you Um, like, do you like the entrepreneurial world? Do you like the business world and the startup world?
0: Yeah, I think I'm still learning what that looks like Mm. to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, I, I think there are so many different types of entrepreneurs and a lot Mm. I don't really find that fits my identity but then when I am pulling out ridiculous ideas and you know getting a little creative with um you know how we can use the business market for for good and how that looks I just think okay this is a bit innovative Mm. (laughs) I don't typically fit into the commercial side of business so maybe I do belong here um yeah I'm Honestly, in a more personal level, I'm probably still understanding myself, mm. so I'm not sure that yeah. any label fits on just right yet. No,
1: <laughs> we're all grappling with the same thing, I <laughs> yeah. think, and just trying to figure out what's going on in our own heads. Mm. I think it's an area for me that's uh, I am uh, really interested in. Given just my two daughters and everything that I am doing, is in like is to empower them to believe. Um, mm-hmm. In themselves about starting their own business, right? And about growing. Because I, I just feel like there's such an opportunity to create. In fact, before we, this podcast this morning, I said to my daughters, I want you to meet Eloise one day just because it's. <laughs> I'd love to yeah. be. <laughs> well, they love Michelle, my business partner. And yeah, to be the more business leaders and, and 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 creators and entrepreneurs that, that, that they can see themselves in yeah. uh, like females that they can see themselves in yeah um is something that is of of great passion of mine so is there you know you're doing all this amazing work in in this social cause and the you know the period products and all the above mm. and and the stigma and are you also trying to create awareness for young females coming through uh, who are looking to to get into business as well?
0: Yeah oh totally and one of the more difficult labels I think I've tried to squish onto my head is being a business person yeah. like ov- obviously I have run a business I yeah. know what I'm doing I do it every day yeah. but um, I haven't quite grappled with the fact that I might be um, someone that young people look up to yeah. for business yeah. but it's really important because I'm not sure that I had one kind of um, yeah someone to look up to specifically mm. that I just thought wow they're kicking goals and they're doing what they want to do and they're you know cr- like they're carving new paths
2: and
1: yeah. um, changing the world
0: yeah and yeah. I had a lot of men that I, I aspired to you know i really respected their work um, and that's quite a drive for me now when I think about that context I just Mm. think wow I do want to to do this well so that there are so many young people that can just think well I can do it too especially when I do school presentations and I just hear so much brilliance come out of these young people's mouths and they have the best questions and such good ideas I just think oh my gosh I want you to Take the reins and yeah. you know run with that. So well, I mean, important.
1: human beings are generally born with curiosity, right? Like <laughs> so good. that's why we stick our finger in the in the PowerPoint, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it, and and the, it's beaten out of us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, not not by a verbal, not by um, physical abuse, but by verbal, like no, don't stop, put that down, yeah. sit down, shut up. You that's know, that's weird. Or, yeah, do th- this. Don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, if we can figure out a way to nurture that curiosity, uh, yeah, I think it's really important. So, so, but the, one thing that's I, I know that's um, is prevalent in just having two y- young young daughters is that they won't look at someone like Elon Musk like I look at Elon mm. Musk or Steve Jobs or mm. you know this sort of um, you know world leaders, but they will definitely look at someone like you and go well, if Eloise is doing it, like, why can't I yeah. sort of thing? And I think that's the most powerful thing that I've recognised. Mm. Um, just in all of our conversations, you know, I've, we've had Sean Burgoyne on on the show. Mm. Um, he's an AFL football legend, um, but the, my daughters are more interested in Aaron Phillips, who is yeah. his sister-in-law, right? Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Who, you know, he's also an AFL... In, in in the in the women's AFL mm. uh, and a basketball legend because they play both play basketball so they just yeah they see themselves in um in 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 females and I think it's it's really powerful to yeah. to to want to promote that and I think you, you're going to have an amazing effect on on young people coming through.
0: I hope so for their sakes because there's some brilliant young people around and one of the things that I think Izzy and I have always thought about when we do school presentations is to and it's also a bit of a cliche but just to be yourself and to actually be honest and natural and yeah. crack jokes and be a bit of a dork like yeah. Yeah. i'm such a goober just <laughs> walking around and you know well, doing you got lost
1: day. on the way here <laughs> no, really... yeah i did i did
0: walking around but that
1: was, was our fault <laughs> <laughs> we sent you to the wrong building
0: yeah but uh... you know there's no shame in that because
1: no, the more it. the more
0: it. ourselves we are the the more productive and the more value we have to give back.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Andrew Nunn, um, the chief entrepreneur of South Australia, said on the podcast that he we had when he was on was that he would love to see a female entrepreneur chief in, on, chief entrepreneur as the next as his, as a cool. successor, right? Um, and I think that that's amazing. Is there anyone you know talk about people looking up to? Is there anyone in South Australia that you? You do look up to from that. I know you said before you look more at men, but is there is there a female that comes to mind in that space that, that jumps out at you?
0: Yeah. oh, one woman who's been really, really supportive and valuable in my career is Sarah Gunn, who runs GoGo Events, okay, GoGo great. Foundation, yeah. our social enterprise. Yeah. And she is unapologetically herself mm. and so passionate about her work yeah. and is just dedicated to... Backing herself because she knows that the work she does is important, mm. and yeah, I really respect her power and yeah. an influence.
1: Just, Tell her to let her put her hand up, would yeah. that be something yeah. you'd be interested in the future as well? Oh, totally. Yeah.
0: Oh, Andrew has the coolest
1: job <laughs> wouldn't it be amazing yeah
0: yeah Oh, just it's the cool. names
1: he rattles off like i'm a people collector so he's yeah. just gone ding 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 with all these names I'm like oh my god that'd be an amazing job
0: yeah oh and just to just
1: see some of the product that's getting created
0: yeah and care for it nurture it yeah pull in the supports that they need that would be awesome
1: you're also big in innovation like your way of thinking is like amazing i um like, I don't have a creative bone in my body, and Gab's uh, <laughs> our podcast manager is sitting here probably laughing and smiling. I'm, I'm <laughs> quite, I'm, I'm probably described as a cornflake, pretty bland. And, oh, and I don't th- believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the, I just the idea of running, like, your, where do you get these ideas of like running your factory of uh, of hydro and and mm. all the above? Where does that come from? And this desire to have this impact on a people and the planet, and mm. or the, and how do you then incorporate that into your thinking? Where does that come from?
0: I actually think it comes from keeping and clinging onto that childlike mentality. Mm. Because we started to be, when we were still in high school, we didn't have a set of rules or an agenda to run with. We were able to, we had the space to make our own set of rules. Well, why can't business be 100%? Why can't we sell a product that is, doesn't have any um, carbon footprint? And that's what kids do. They mm. say, why, 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 yeah. why not? Why can't we do it like this? Why can't? And it gets annoying, yeah. but that's because it, rattles the gates that we're used to, yeah. that we're behind. the confines
1: that we're in, yeah.
0: And, it, yeah, it's it's not to draw the metaphor too far, but we can just pick up a key and open the gates and do it differently. Mm. And when there are lo- so many worldly crises at hand, you know, we look at climate change that seems impossible. We look at so many of these other big complications we have and they seem impossible to have solutions. But the solutions are so so accessible if we just remove the boundaries that we're used to running with and it's that process of habitualization. Kids are so great at coming up with innovative ideas because they don't have any habits. They haven't wired their brain into habits of this is how I open a door, this is how I put my shoes on. They're working it out themselves Mm. and the best innovators I think are ones that sit and remove all of the expectations and if there's a problem they want to solve, solutions are actually not too far fetched Mm. and the best ideas are so simple. So it's just I I think I'm quite lucky in that I started innovating when I was really young and I probably had a home and a schooling that celebrated those innovations. I was never pressured to conform Mm. to the set of rules ahead because I had enough um my sisters are really creative, my sister Sarah especially. Mm. And she was a bit of a creative inspiration because she's such a crazy artist. I just thought, well, if that's my if that's my boundary, then yeah. I've got so much space to yeah. to
1: create. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And you don't necessarily need a colour within the lines either, right? No. Then, it's boring. Yeah. yeah, it is. <laughs> so I've 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 got an attempt to be creative or innovative, I guess, in this podcast. Um and and the only thing I could come up with, which it was if if you were interviewing yourself Ooh. on this podcast, what's one question that you would ask yourself? See,
0: that's creative. Mm. I love that. <laughs> oh man. Ah. Uh, I don't know what people are interested in. I'm sure I've got some bizarre ideas.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's what is something that you're passionate about mm. that you'd love to talk to.
0: Mm. Ah oh, man, that is a it's, really tough question. It's putting you
1: on the spot. You don't have to answer it. I've got plenty of other questions. Okay, get, maybe we'll come back to yeah, it. Yeah, maybe we'll come back to All it. Right, great, but I do want to talk to you about because a lot of what you're um what you're describing, you talked about the 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 young kid in 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 yourself and mm-hmm. asking why and. and that is the younger generation coming through right mm. and w- last time we spoke we did speak about the millennials coming through and i think something that is very w- w- like with synergy iq the business that i own is the and run is the um we're a consultancy change consultancy company we take p- um, organizations through workforce planning and, mm-hmm. and change and big big programs and like real complex stuff cool um one thing that uh is prevalent in a lot of the conversations we're having is the this New wave of, of of workforce coming through, which is the millennials. And and last time we spoke, you said to me in terms of numbers, and I went and che- I went and fact checked it because I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'm so interested in this. Was that the millennials? Like you said to me the millennials are catching the boomers in numbers. Yeah. Right. So I went and I, I did go and check, and I, I went on the the Bureau of Statistics website. As of August 10th, 2021, there was only 562. Five thousand, sorry, five thousand six hundred and sixty-two more baby boomers. So the fifty-five to seventy-five year olds than the millennials, uh, which is the twenty, not five to thirty-nine year olds. So only five thousand in the workforce in Australia. In Australia. So you wow. couple that <laughs> with the Gen Zs coming through, like well, yeah. pretty much anyone from eighteen, say for example, yeah. eighteen to well, no, you can start work younger these days, can't you? So yeah. you couple that with the Gen Zs, and and they've overtaken. They, yeah. They've, they've, wow. They're going to be have overtaken the baby boomers. So. <laughs> So, in your opinion, what does this mean for businesses? Oof.
0: That I I read that fact and I thought, oh wow, yeah, must be a joke. Yeah. But now I'm quite scared. Yeah. <laughs> no, scared isn't the right time. I know. <laughs> like
1: if we're thinking about change, it's and and what you know the younger generation are purpose led mm. and more impact driven. Organizations are going to have to change their ways.
0: Oh, big time. And I think we need to be ready for the gates to be rattled because Mm. our generation has, generationally speaking, more security than generations ahead of us. You know, we've never experienced a world war and we've got, typically speaking, our parents, you know, working class um, money as a security. We all had a house. We didn't have to work for money. Obviously we do. Um, Correct. But... We are more what's more forefront on young people's minds is climate change. We've also mm. we were born into the world being told from the age of eight that, you know, oh the planet's gonna melt by 2060. And you're like, oh, okay, 2060 is not that far away. Oh, the planet's gonna melt by 2050. We're not gonna have, you know, X amount of commodities and that it's the the whole world's gonna be at this temperature. It's scary. Yeah. We've just spent our whole childhoods yeah. learning about how detrimental this issue is. And then we start in a job where our boss maybe would say, Oh, climate change's a joke. Yeah. It, it's a joke. You know, I don't the that, climate's yeah. been changing forever. Yeah. Those sentiments. And you just think, well, what am I doing here? Yeah. I'll work for someone else who actually Keep invests it. or, you know, chooses to to implement more green solutions in our mm. workplace. And I feel more secure and my values have been, you know, met. And these expectations I think it's going to be hard for the boomers to adjust to, to actually respect that those requests are at their forefront. People want workplace equality. They want flexibility. They want X, Y, and Z. Want, want, want. Okay, sure, you could could have this mentality that young people are demanding in the workforce and their hard work. But if that's the whole, if that's the blanket scenario, yeah. You can't just deny it. It's your
1: average thread, isn't it, really? Like, yeah. This is what we need to do. Yeah. This is the new way of working.
0: And it's probably important to think about, okay, well, how – which elements of this are important and valuable and worth our company giving a damn about? Mm. Should we actually implement more green solutions into our work system? Will our employees feel more proud of the work they do? Will that make them better employees? Will that bring – greater joy into the workspace mm. will they have better relationships will they engage with more clients because they're actually respecting and thankful for the efforts we are making mm. probably um and i think perhaps if you don't start thinking ahead you're going to fall behind
1: mm. i'm gonna ask you to um answer on behalf of all the millennials
0: <laughs> i'm so not qualified oh. to do that <laughs> <laughs> sure
1: you gotta do it because there's no one else here that can do it oh yeah. no Hang on, can you yeah, you Gabs falls into it, but oh, she she, <laughs> she's too, she she gets a bit nervous and doesn't want to speak too much on the podcast. Um, the what 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 is what is the millennial f- sanction? What are fact? Sorry, what is the millennial group or cohort or mm. even like just say the younger generation coming into the workforce? What do what are the primary interests? that they're looking for? Is it, you know, like you said, the green solutions? Is it the impact? Is it the purpose? Is it the culture of the business? Like mm. what, what do you think are the most critical things from a low-hanging fruit point of view mm. that companies can, can do to attract mm. and retain mm. the young talent within their business?
0: Okay. I would say first low-hanging fruit, which is probably the good foundation for the rest, is to actually ask your employees what they want, what mm. their agenda is, why they're there, why they took it. the job. Yeah. Because we can't just expect that everyone's got a passion about climate change. That's yeah. just not true. Yeah. We need to know why they're there. If they're there to grow and they're there for promotions and they want to succeed as far and as fast as they can, figure that out. Know yeah. that, respect that and do that for every single employee. Mm. I think our first expectations is that we're respected as individuals. And if we don't have that respect, I'd I think that that's when a lot of other frustrations can brew. If you actually think your boss gives a shit about you, you're probably gonna, you know, feel more comfortable about it. Yeah. That's number one. I think that's probably business one oh one. Not that I've read the book.
1: No. <laughs> it's, it's definitely change management one oh one, which is what we're specializing yeah. in We out, yes, well done. Yeah,
0: figure 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 out what they want. Yeah. And well then, that's
1: where you get buy in from too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So
0: And know what their values are and that I think will lead you to which social movements and which um, I guess focus they, they'll care about because I expect a lot of young people will want to see first and foremost equality in the workplace. It's an uncomfortable thing to chat at knockoffs with your other mates who work in different firms like, oh, yeah, there's only two females in my, in my workplace and 64 males. and mm. Oh, why is that weird? Okay, that brand doesn't look great. Yeah. Equality is number one but high up. Yeah. Um, and in that really robust social policies to make sure that people are socially cared for. So there's good sexual harassment policies that's taken seriously. Um, there's good uh, parental leave access. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the mothers, but men actually have an opportunity to take some load on, um, if their partner has a baby, for example, that's important. um, and yeah, I think companies actually just focusing on the larger worldly threats like global change, uh, climate change. Mm. Um, it's a big threat that's I think weighs pretty heavily on a lot of us. So if you're working in a workspace where it's taken seriously, it's a good step. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. Everyone should have a read of the David Attenborough. Uh, yeah. Book. Have you read the? I his haven't. Book? Oh, he's he goes. And, and I don't want to detract away what you just said because everything you said there was amazing. But he, his book is is like chapter by chapter by chapter. He go of of all every decade that he's worked in this industry of of, of education, mm. and, and 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 he goes through the climate change numbers, and you the, the numbers are real. Like anyone that yeah. is a climate change denier, you just sit there and you go, hang on, just look at the facts. Yeah. Like they're there. Yeah. You put them in front of you. But no, you're right. I think. Um, from what I so what I took out of what you said there was sort of in, in inclusion, asking questions, um, really thinking about the the bigger, you know, the bigger issues, uh, diversity, um, mm. uh, climate change. All of the yeah, mm. there's a there's a lot in that, and there's a lot because the 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 older uh, generation, if we call them the baby boomers, are uh, um, they're. Potentially, the more resistant to change yeah. as well, right? So, yeah. um, this new this new cohort coming through is is going to expect change and expect it quickly. Yeah, it's kind of what we've grown up with, right?
0: Time's ticking. As yeah, well. exactly. Yeah.
1: You yeah. know, we haven't got. <laughs> we can't. You know, you can't. We can't make decisions just based on a four year uh, political cycle. It's exactly. got to be. It's got to be over this whole whole realm. Yeah,
0: totally. And I think the. The most important thing to embed personally is just open-mindedness, which is so vague. But mm. if you do have an open mind, I think it's you're a lot less um, susceptible to m- make a big mistake.
1: Do you think that, like, wh- what would be um, what would be South Australia's strength in in moving f- forward in attracting young talent? And this is something that you spoke recently at an event. You're on a panel at yeah. the AIDA conference um and you spoke very eloquently up on stage about some of the the issues and concerns what can we do to attract a keep some of the talent mm. look and uh, there is the thought that you can go off and you can learn from other states and other countries and then but how do we get them back and yeah. how do we get them back before they're 50 and 60 right yeah. you know so what what are your thoughts in that space
0: i feel like we really need to think about the why would they come back mm. um and we need to think about what humans actually require and need in a safe works or a safe life. Like yep. we want to feel that uh, we're safe and we're respected and we have easy access to housing and food, yep. really basic Maslin's hierarchy of yep. needs.
2: Yep.
0: And in that I think we also need to re- con- or consider how um, socially diverse and... Uh, open-minded our society is i think a lot of people could feel quite suffocated in south australia because we are really focused on coloring in between the lines (laughs) we want things to to be safe and secure there's nothing wrong with safety and security but creatives and even innovators won't feel that they have um enough space to to run in the playground and and push those boundaries because those boundaries are often you know suppressed or yeah um yeah we don't have perhaps enough support in innovation at least so far there are some really good things in the works and yeah, i'm that. excited to see where that goes i mean
1: lot 14 and all, all the above but yeah but the, you're right the it was the typical tall poppy syndrome as well here in oh, South it's Australia. relentless yeah.
0: yeah and it's just old as well no one cares anymore (laughs) (laughs) no one cares just
1: open up yeah yeah. and
0: be proud but um it also needs we need to implement the old the the i guess um the persecutor of why tall poppy syndrome exists in the first place Mm. and actually celebrate other people's Mm. success and um you know don't play games in in suppressing other people's success just what because it's small and you want to take their place instead it's just It's so childish. I'm
1: interested in that. Your friendship group, how do they handle your success?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um, My friendship group now have, uh, they're brilliant. I've been um, in the last, well, yeah, since leaving school, I guess, I've been really diligent in surrounding myself with really brilliant, supportive people. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, if you've got a mutually respective friendship, that's, you know, if your friends respect you, then Mm. of course they'll, they'll come and celebrate with you. And, um, it's definitely not been a linear learning experience. I've lost a lot of friends. Mm. Um, and that's, that's hard to, to experience. You just think, oh, why? Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, if people aren't treating you with respect or if they're not, um, they don't care for you, then the why is insignificant. Um, and you can I could have surrendered to the pulse tall poppy syndrome and mm. just, you know, suppressed my success or not showed any sense of pride for myself. But that just erodes your sense mm. of self and you need to celebrate your successes. Um so doing that has just made me, I guess, keep the friends that have celebrated with me. Yeah. And yeah, that's
1: the best. I, I, I love that. Um I'm interested in your confidence in in speaking and public speaking mm-hmm. and sharing a message and sharing a uh, and look a lot of that comes from the belief in what you're doing right mm-hmm. so you know kudos for that. I run a podcast, a relatively <laughs> successful podcast we've had some amazing speakers on there and but I still every single day suffer from um, you know imposter syndrome oh, yeah. and um, I've built a relatively well you know, co-created it and, and with a team, with, mm. and built a, a really successful totally. company. and yeah. Um, and still feel imposter syndrome mm-hmm. every time I go out. How how do you manage yourself mm. from from being asked to speak on a panel with, you know, you had the mayor of, uh, you know, Sandy sure <laughs> yeah. there and you had the, the chancellor. Cuffin yeah, and, yeah. I, I, I had some amazing, like, do you – do you manage that well? Do you ever pinch yourself and go?
0: That's a great question because I am a huge victim to imposter syndrome. It's mm. awful. And all, in all honesty, I had to take leave recently because my anxiety was just relentless. Mm. Um, and it was, I, I had, a you know, a bit of a breakdown. I wasn't burning out, but it was just, you know, things were packing on top of each other. And I had a bit of a, a breakdown of my sister that says, you can't have a breakthrough without a breakdown. Mm. And that's totally what I've been experiencing the last two or three months is actually re-understanding myself in a capacity that's, you know, not caught up in the badges or things or titles or experiences like speaking on a panel, et cetera. Mm. Just removing all of the shiny bits and thinking, cool, what's my work? What am I doing? What am I saying? And r- understanding that in a really basic personal capacity does erode that imposter syndrome because you can just feel proud of the work that you're doing Mm. um and not get distracted by all the the shiny bits that make you feel really insignificant yeah um because at the end of the day we're so human and we're we're as human as each other and Mm. that's such an important thing to remember um and it's a daily grind. You you do have to wake up every day and just think, This is my job and mm. as much accolades or respect that you get thrown at you, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. It's it's people's expression of the work that you do it doesn't change your day to day. It doesn't change yeah. why you're doing the work I you're agree.
1: doing. Very profound. I, I, I must admit that when uh I saw you on that panel at I think it's where we met and mm. I um I asked. Uh, I approached you after and asked if you were interested to come on the show to have a chat. Mm. And I think what appealed to me was your your passion in towing the line of what you're saying. Right? It was this no, like I know because I because the topic was millennials in the workforce, yep. and you you were. You were very strong in your stance and going, Well, I am who I am, and I'm saying what I'm saying because I believe what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? And it was just, yeah, it was um, wise above all your years, right? So I just wanted to say kudos oh, to for getting thanks. up on, on stage and, and saying that. Look, I am conscious of your time. You're uh, you're, you're heading off uh, for a nice. Uh, week. Uh, yeah, well done. <laughs> Enjoy the stars out there. It should be amazing. Yeah. But I, I want to ask just a few quick questions before. Uh, we we round off. Um, what what does the the future look like for Eloise? And, and on the topic of your break recently, mm. um, uh, from your your couple of your weeks off or whatever you might have had, um, in amongst all that is. Um, Isabel is, le- is leaving yes. the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what does Taboo look like now? Yeah. Uh, and what does your future f- uh, from the brand, what is that? Yeah, Where is that going?
0: Totally. Yeah, that was funny timing. I had some time off and it was perfect because I kind of regained my sense of self. And then a couple of weeks later, wait, Izzy and I had a yeah. chat. Um, so yeah, Izzy and I obviously founded Taboo Together yeah. six, five or six years ago now. Um She's always had her heart set on medicine. Yep. Um. She'll be a fantastic doctor. Yeah. Um. And it would have been 2020 we were implementing some steps in Taboo for Izzy to step back and yep. um, focus on medicine so she can be a doctor and yep. I can take the reins at the company. Uh, 2021 she was awarded Young Australian of the Year. So a huge opportunity at own. our fingertips yeah. just to really – communicate to taboo and what we're doing yeah. and why we're doing it um so izzy took a year off of medicine kind of backflipped our orig- yeah. original plans and we had a, a great year just telling taboo telling the story to anyone and everyone mm. um, and then yeah this year she's gone back to medicine and a few months into the year yeah halfway through she just kind of thought i don't have the capacity to to be with the company and the the capacity that you need to be as a director, and yeah, just decided to head back to uni and focus on on medicine. So, yeah. two super, you know, it was a natural progression. Um, in in that sense, it's certainly weird to do this without her. Um, my day to day hasn't changed, but you certainly tuck yourself in at night and just think, okay, this is all my responsibility yeah. now. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's we've we've built so much. So much strength in the foundations mm. together, um that yeah, I feel pretty pretty well supported with a beautiful extended team as well, yeah yeah,
1: yeah, now it's about bringing in the right people to help you on your cause, isn't it really? yeah, what about you your future ah you know?
0: uh, yeah I, I don't know mm. really i um have a lot of ideas and and goals, but I am still someone that does respond to opportunities if it feels right it's probably yeah. right um really really excited to grow to boo to be bigger and better and stronger and have even more impact than yeah. we are having already and really passionate as you might have picked up about the social enterprise yeah. discussion yeah. and there's some exciting movements happening there's the social enterprise world forum in september yeah. um and there's a huge That's
1: up in brisbane you're speaking up about. in brisbane yeah. Yep. yeah.
0: um one of the speakers and I can't wait to be inspired by yeah. all the world leaders in that space and just to really yeah grapple with how this tool can be used and how it can be practically embedded in mm. our system so keen to see where that goes
1: so on the growth of taboo and and the and, and if you hit your purpose and mission uh, of reducing stigma mm-hmm. um and Hitting the 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 idea of of reducing poverty. What does is, what is done look like for you? What yeah. is it? What is it? What's that? How yeah. Does it, how does the world operate in a world that of, of what you're trying to achieve?
0: Yeah, I guess in one way, I'm trying to work myself out of a job. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. if if I woke up tomorrow and period poverty was solved, yeah. great, job done. Yeah. I'll find something else to do. Yeah. That's fine. We well, got
1: to keep it. You know, yeah, now it's a maintenance thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Yeah, we we can just grow and expand. We want to do condoms. There are so many. Mm. There there is a, a limitless opportunity with social enterprise. Yeah. Okay. Um. And the brand itself. So, mm,
1: we'll see. What does a conversation look like when the stigma is gone?
0: Oh, that's a fun one. Um, just like your everyday chat about any mm. other bodily function. Yeah. Like shaving, blowing your nose. Yeah, you know yeah. anything like that?
1: Just. Yeah, yeah, taking the taboo away from it, right? Exactly. Yeah,
0: letting people feel comfortable with their bodies.
1: Mm, I love it. I love it. Radio, we are uh, going to jump into some quick fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, love these. We love uh, we love reading here at the Chris. I, I, I'm a an absorber of books. Uh, read lots. We all read. The community reads. Um, mm. What are you reading right now?
0: I'm reading um, "Practicing the Power of Now." Right. Okay. By – I wrote this down because I can't remember Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, so yeah. Eckhart
1: Tolle he he wrote the original Power, of, power now. of Now and he's got a few other books, but Practicing. Yeah.
0: It's pretty much the Power of Now but the the just the tactics. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's been awesome. It's um a deep read. Yeah. Like I think this is the little version. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. The the squashed version because yeah. the original I was putting it down every three s- sentences because I was stopping and thinking about it and yeah, I Yeah, it was a tough read. It's a lot to think about.
0: Yeah. Um, I found it quite freeing, yeah.
1: Mm, brilliant. I love it. What's one book that you feel that sort of stands out from the rest? Like in, in another way of saying it, what's one book that you might have gifted the most or recommended the most?
2: Oh,
0: um, I would say it's not really like a self. Help book, but it helped me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. um, Glennon Doyle's Untamable, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, and yeah, Glennon Doyle's a superstar, oh,
0: so brilliant, yeah. and just so, uh, yeah, again, un unashamedly herself.
1: Yeah,
0: it was awesome.
1: Yeah, she has a podcast too, I think. I really, think, so, yeah. yeah, really good one. Yeah, really popular one. Uh, what's one, uh, or oh, do you, sorry, do you listen to any other podcasts other than like other than Synergy? Great K- yeah. yeah. Synergy, right? <laughs> Is there anything else that you listen to?
0: Um, Taboo has a, a podcast. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, you do. We called, should give that a plug. Yeah. Yes. It's called The Flow.
1: The Flow. Ah, well done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so. What's the typical, like, what, what do you normally talk about?
0: On? Yeah. Last season we did a lot of health-related topics, yeah. which were really helpful for a lot of our listeners. Yeah. This season we're still diving into some health but also business. People are really interested in the yeah. practicalities of business and social enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Product innovation, et cetera. So yeah, little combination of both this season. Yeah, brilliant. So that's probably what I have time to listen to after we've recorded them, just yeah. to make sure I don't sound like an idiot. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I listen to every podcast and every of that I do. Wow. And every single one I think I sound like an idiot. So uh, it's awful. <laughs> but you know Yeah. Yeah. a good hearing your own voice. <laughs> uh, if you can have three No, what is one lesson that's taking you the longest to learn?
2: mm
0: A lesson that my best mate from high school, Lily, has tried to teach me since I was like 13, which is how to say no. I'm really bad at putting boundaries in. Mm. Um, And I think that's always going to be a learning curve. You have all these new seasons of life and your boundaries will look different. They'll look different with different people and work, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, it's hard.
1: It is. Mm. I struggle. Mm. Do you listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast? No. Or do you know who Tim Ferriss is? No. no. So he wrote the Four Hour Workweek. Everything is about um, about reducing time, and he like his whole premise is becoming an expert in something, and to do that, you have cool. to sacrifice all the above. Right. Um, and his uh, his model in saying like, let's say you get invited to a party, like, yeah. and, you, and you don't really want to go, but yeah. you feel obliged because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and, yeah, or, yeah. You know, we've all been there, right? right? So his attitude and his model is: I have to either say fuck yeah. Or it's a no. Yeah. So if I'm not jumping out of my skin to go, I'm not going.
0: Yeah. Right. That's a good. Okay. That sounds really hard. It but does.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because then you start. Then the skeptics jump in. It's like, well, what if you did go and it was the best night of your life yeah, and all the above? Exactly. Yeah. I know. But that's his model. So. I'll think about I'll it. Maybe think about it, Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could invite three people for dinner, who would they be?
2: Um,
0: Muhammad Yunus. He. Oh, yeah. You won a Nobel Prize, yeah, yeah about um, macrofinance. Yeah. So brilliant social entrepreneur Yeah, and he believes that everyone has an entrepreneurial spirit. So mm. he would hate that you said that you didn't have a creative bone in your body because he was like, no, you do, <laughs> I, you've got an idea. <laughs> I say
1: it but I know that I've got a little yeah, bit
0: there, so. Yeah. Um, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my brilliant. gosh. I read his memoir and I just thought this guy is amazing.
1: How good is that? So brilliant. They, are they? No, there's – someone messi- uh, Someone messaged me last night saying they're going to the concert.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bought tickets yeah. to Perth. Yeah. My mate, Katie, I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Yeah.
0: Um, he would just be brilliant. I would just love to listen to his brain mm. run riots. What a creative – he just paved a new genre of music.
1: Was he- his, 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 what Was his brain affected by any... Uh, oh, many, <laughs> a, many a substances. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to hear from all different aspects, wouldn't it?
0: Oh, so many stories. Yeah. Um Yeah, I'd love to, yeah, sit and listen to him. And, I mean, it would be a chaotic seating if they're all in the one yeah. table together because they're so different. But my nanny, I didn't... Oh. Yeah, I didn't get to know my nan too well because she passed away when I was five or six. Yeah. But. I know that she's got a lot of credit to take for, I guess, the strength of my family. Yeah. So I would just love to actually get to know her as an adult because, yeah, I was, I was so little.
1: The, the, your, your na- what's your nanny's name?
0: Imelda. Imelda. Imelda Cullen.
1: Imelda and Flea. Uh, what?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? I reckon they would be best mates. She's a coach.
1: <laughs> I think be arm, arm in arm. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, what's some of the best advice that you've ever received?
0: A lot. Um, something that I've been, I guess, ringing through my brain a lot is actually from Glennon Doyle's book. Um, we can do hard things. It's mm. so simple, mm. but it's been so helpful because um, it's just such a good reminder. Mm. Things can feel really scary. We can do hard things. Oh, of course we can. Cool. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm gonna get it done. Well,
1: it's the hard that. It's the hard that makes it great. Yeah. Like that's how. That's how I like. If it's easy, then it's boring as batshit. Like, yeah, I don't want to do it. No. Yeah, it's the hard things that make you great. Yeah. yeah, I love that. No, it's good. Uh, if if you had access to a time machine, <laughs> where would you go?
0: <laughs> Definitely not the future.
1: Oh, really? No
0: way. That would ruin the surprise.
1: Totally. Well, it depends on how far.
0: I don't, I wouldn't want to go a day ahead.
1: Really? Yeah. What, not, what about a hundred years ahead? No? Like, no. Nah. Nah? Nah. No interest.
0: I'd be too spooked. Uh, and then I wouldn't make the decisions I'm meant to, I think.
2: Uh, I think
0: I would like to go. I've, I have love camping. I'm about to go to the Slinders. Yeah. Um, and we went to, me and my partner went to the Simpson Desert last year, this yeah. time last year, and it was phenomenal. And I would love to go back in time to Australia but pre-colonisation. I want to know how the country looked and worked and how it was cared for before white settlement. I think that would just be phenomenal to witness. Mm. Mm.
1: You'd take a couple of weapons, I'd say. There's, there was, the, the animals were huge. Did you? That, <laughs> no, was yeah, there wombats? They, yeah, yeah. Like they were monsters. Yeah. Um, I definitely
0: want to be a fly in the wall. Yeah, I, wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't laugh. Just, long you know, I
1: don't know your tent would save you but, yeah, yeah. That, I, yeah that, would, that would be amazing because it's a shame that those animals were killed off and mm. um, even just seeing um, – you know the First Nations people in how they would have lived. Oh, exactly! Would been, it'd be amazing. Yeah, there. and just to oh, experience
0: okay. that culture and that time. Oh, it would! I think I would just so much of the desert makes sense to me in nature, and I just love to mm. know how.
1: Why is that? Like, what what is it about it that makes sense? Is it the vastness of it, or
0: I think so. And it just when you're so little, and it's just nothing but red dirt, and you're carrying your own water and your own food. It just really, I found it so grounding because it reminded me that I was just a little human on this planet mm. as part of the ecosystem as much as birds are. Um, and, okay, that might be radical, but it's such an important lesson to just know that you're a part of country. Like you've got a role tumbling, to
2: play. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, and I've got so much respect for First Nations culture. Would It would be the biggest honour to witness how it was practised before mm. white people came in, you know. Change. Just their right way up. of life. Yeah. The
1: hunting to the this general survival. Yeah, it'd be, yeah, it'd be amazing. Mm. Um if your house was on fire and your family, pets, everyone was all safe, what well, what's one thing that you'd run back in and want to save?
0: It's really hard because I was like, oh passport. No, you can just get a new one. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, things yeah. that are practical. It's I, trying to draw out the meaningful thing. in anyway, Yeah, exactly. It's right? <laughs> the, the premise of the question. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Passport, I'm not sure. No. <laughs>
0: um, I think I would pick, and it's really random, Um, my mum's best mate is an artist and he is a brilliant oil painter Um, and he has the tiny, tiny painting of a rooster that he did when he was really young mm. and he doesn't like, so he would just appalled that I have mentioned this, but I think I would take that painting off my wall and take it with me because it's just really beautiful and probably one of the most unique and sentimental things that I have um, because Jimmy's been around in my life since I was born. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Does the rooster symbolise anything for you?
0: Not really. Mm. Um, I just find, if anything, it would probably symbolise, I guess, the importance of art and how... Yeah, you can be inspired from really simple illustrations and, yeah. That's brilliant. It's just meaningful, I guess.
1: Yeah, great. If you had or if you could have one superhero power, what would it be?
0: Um, I feel like there are cooler superpowers listed. If I read a big list, I would be like, yeah, wicked, that would change the world.
1: But everyone goes with fly, right?
0: Oh well, I think that's
1: what I would do. Yeah, <laughs> I knew
0: it. I, love it. I was thinking about it. I, like, I love going like fast on a bike because wind feels fantastic. If I could just fly, it'd be great.
1: <laughs> it's it's funny because everyone there's this thing. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I said this to Andrew in the previous podcast, mm. and you'll get it too because I said this is the exact same thing. Yeah. Um uh i it, say 80% to 90% of our people say fly. Really? Yeah, i come on this show. Wow. I don't know what it is. I'm 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 actually interested in exploring that a little bit further. Yeah. And, and it, uh, maybe some of them might be. It's just the easiest answer, but there's this genuine desire to get up into the sky. And fly. And fly. Wow. And be free and not be bounded by yeah. gravity or anything that. <gasps>
0: so interesting mm. i wonder if you interviewed a completely different subgroup of people mm. if there would be a common thread with flying or another superpower yeah, as well. like is so it so true a demographic thing or is it an experiencing
1: oil ask kids i've think. always thought about doing a podcast for kids yeah like, and bringing them on and asking some of these questions because their brains that. would work so yeah. so differently totally brilliant yeah. and like I'm a really big fan of shit jokes. <laughs> so do, you, oh, yeah. do you have a, mom, oh, yeah. a dad joke? Mum or dad joke?
0: That's one question right. that I, I didn't give any thought to.
1: Um, Surely your partner's told you a couple of bad jokes or your dad's told oh, you a couple of bad jokes. Dad
0: will bring out like 15 <laughs> jokes a night. Most of them are inappropriate to share. Yeah, okay. Mum <laughs> has this one that she says too often is a skeleton walked into a bar. And he ordered a beer and a mop.
1: <laughs> that's horrible. I know. It's just, you're stupid. <laughs> <What's> the, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, give your mum a, a, a tell her that that's going straight to the pool room. Yeah. It's going yeah,
2: good. To the Hall
1: of Fame. Well um, Look, thank you so much um, for your for your time today. It's been an amazing chat. We've deep dive. We've gone into some issues. I've learned a lot as well. And I hope people listening in have learned a lot. I, I do really want to say thank you for, for everything that you're doing um, in this world, right, from a from an impact point of view, from a purpose, from a uh, an awareness and an educational point of view, um, yeah, keep going. I think what you, it's an amazing product. It's an amazing, um, uh, uh, I, I guess, cause. And you know, I, I I think I speak for for everyone. We really want to see you succeed. So,
0: mm.
1: shout out if you ever need anything. But kudos <laughs> to you and the team for for what you're doing.
0: Thanks so much for the interview. That was fun.
1: It was. It was, it was good really chat. good. Uh, where can we find you? Where can people connect with you?
0: Yeah. Um, you can find Taboo, if you Google Taboo period products, you'll find our website, our yep. Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Yep. My name's Eloise. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook, tabooau.co is a website as well if you want to buy some product.
1: Excellent. Check her out and, um, yeah, we'll catch you next time.
0: Cool. See you then. Thanks.
1: See you guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast all. You can check out the show notes if there was anything of interest to you and find out more about us at synergyiq.com.au. I am going to ask though, if you did like the podcast, it would absolutely mean the world to me if you could subscribe, rate, and review. And if you didn't like it, that's all right too. There's no need to do anything. Take care guys. All the best.